If you didn't bring a Bible with you, hold up your hand. The ushers have extra Bibles. Uh, Use one of ours. And let's go to Galatians 5 and Romans 12. Galatians 5 and Romans 12. We've been on this subject for uh, a few weeks now. We want to continue further into it. Galatians 5.13 says, Brethren, you've been called unto liberty. Only use not liberty for an occasion to the flesh, but by love serve one another. You've been set free, but we're not to use our freedom just to do what we want to do. Listen to the... uh, Amplified, it says, uh, you're called to freedom, only do not let your freedom be an incentive to your flesh. The New English Translations talks about indulging your flesh. Don't use your freedom as an opportunity to indulge your flesh. But what do you use your freedom for? To serve each other. Now when he says one another, he's talking about your fellow Christian. What is the New Testament commandment? Love who? One another. That's your brother. So we say, well, well, aren't we all brothers in the world? No, you're not. The Bible says there's two families in the earth. Jesus told some of the most religious people of his day, you're of your father the devil. Didn't he tell them that? Well, if their father's the devil and your father's God, are you brothers? No. Well, you're not. They need to get in the family, right? And thank God they can. But this universal fatherhood and universal brotherhood, that's just a lie. That's not true. You must be born again, Jesus said. That's the only way to get in the right family. You don't earn your way. You don't work your way into it. You're born into it. But it's a spiritual birth. Now, uh, He said, you've been set free, but don't use your freedom just to do what you want to do. Uh, The complete English, the CEV, says it like this. My friends, you were chosen to be free. So don't use your freedom as an excuse to do anything you want. Use it as an opportunity to serve each other with love. We have been redeemed. We have been delivered. We've been healed. We've been set free, haven't we? Why? To what end? Just so we can watch TV without pain? We've been saved to what? We've been saved, set free, so we can serve. Now, some folks in their mind are thinking, well, if if I'm serving, I'm not free. (laughs) No, you're serving, nobody's making you serve. Your, ser- your motivation to serve is love. That's right. You're serving from love, not because you have to, because nobody's making you. Say it out loud, I am free, I am free. To, serve. to serve. Serve who? Well, that, and of course that is serving God. I mean, how can you serve God? You can't take God a sandwich. God, you need a blanket? Uh, can I shine your shoes? Paul talked about this in, in the book of Acts. It, it, it's not as though he needs anything personally. 
He's the one who gives us life and breath and everything. But you can minister to him by ministering to his kids. Got any parents in the house? Hmm? If somebody does something for your kids, that actually could mean more to you than them doing it for you personally. I mean, somebody helping your kid out when they were in trouble, when they were in need, that means more to you than them doing it for you. And did you know God's that way? He takes it personally. Jesus said, in as much as you've done it to the least of these, my brethren. He said, you did it to me. And you know, when Paul, Saul, was persecuting the church, he said, Saul, why are you persecuting me? See, he took it. He said, you're doing this to me. I'm sure uh, Saul at the time, later became Paul, I'm sure he thought, who are you? I haven't done anything to you. I don't know what you're talking about. No, if you've done it to his, you did it to him. Right? Good or bad. So how do you minister to the Lord? By ministering to his people. How do you serve him? By serving each other. Do you believe it? Go to Romans, please, the 12th chapter. Romans chapter 12, verse 1. He said, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies, plural, of God. You know, God has a whole bunch of mercies. He's got saving mercy, healing mercy, delivering mercy, providing mercy, protecting mercy, guiding mercy, mercies. And he said, I beseech you by the mercies of God that you present your bodies a living sacrifice. Now, in writing to people that knew about the law and Levitical order and sacrifices, sacrificing meant you cut its throat and burn it. So that's a then it's a dead sacrifice. But this is a living sacrifice. Right? Living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service in view of what God has done for us. How he has bought us and saved us, delivered us, healed us, helped us. It's just reasonable that we would use our freedom and our healing and our money and our intelligence and our days of life we have in service. It's just reasonable. Do you think so? After everything he's done for us, you can't say, well, Lord, you've done so much for me. How can I ever pay you back? Don't try. You can't. It'd be insulting. To say, you know, I'm going to pay you back. That means at some point you and he are even. <laughs> Lord, you did all this for me. Now I've done all this for you. We'll call it a wash. I don't know you. No, uh-uh. Uh-uh. He didn't loan us salvation. He bought it. He paid for it. It's a free gift. He didn't ask us to pay anything back. We couldn't pay it back. Impossible. It's insulting to try to act like any amount of your good works could come to any kind of equivalency to the value of the blood of the Lamb. Can't. But it's just reasonable that having done so much for us, now let's serve Him. Not because somebody's making us, 
Not because we have to, because we love him and we love our brothers. Can you say amen? amen? Other translations, the NIV, NIV says this is your spiritual act of worship. The Amplified says it like this, this is your this living sacrifice, offering up our body, our life to him. This is your reasonable, rational, intelligent service and spiritual worship. So we said there's some mind renewal that we need. When you hear the word ministry, we should think service. There's been some connotation and attachments to the idea of ministry that are not right. It's been warped some, and it's been very limited. We'll talk about that in in a bit. But when you hear ministry or minister, what should you think? Service. Service or servant. Service. And also when you hear ministry or service, you should also think worship. worship. And again, this is mind renewal. So many times people, when they hear worship, they only think of maybe lifting your hands and saying, Lord, I worship you or or music or worshipful. They have a limited concept of what's spiritual. But here he said, living for him daily in service to him He said, is spiritual worship. That broadens it, doesn't it? Did you know that these folks that you just saw on the flower team, if they are moving that dirt around and they're trimming off the little dead parts and they're shaping it and they're measuring it and putting there, if they're doing it for some wrong motive, well, it's not worship and it's not real service. But if they're doing it, nobody's making them do it. They're taking of their time and their effort and their energy because they love God and they want this place to look good and they love you and, and me and everybody that comes in. They want us to be pleased. They want it to be a nice environment for us. God calls that worship. Yes. They are worshiping God with clippers. Is that true? That means our parking lot guys are worshiping God with flashlights and with hands, right? Our cleaning teams worshiping God with vacuum cleaners and rags. Is that true? Worshiping God. Now, you know, you could do it for a wrong motive. You could want to be seen or just act like somebody's making you or something. But if you're doing it from a heart of love and faith for God and people, it's a ministry And it is worship. Can you say amen? Amen. And uh, I am so pleased. we got folks in service all around this place, as you well know. And the excellence just keeps coming up. And you can just tell people are doing it. You're doing it. As unto the Lord. It's wonderful. Isn't it wonderful? And isn't it wonderful to be of use? Useful. Useful. Go with me, if you would, over to 1 Timothy. 1 Timothy. We looked at this last week, I believe it is. And the second chapter, and I want us to get into it and go further. The Lord uses natural things that we're familiar with to teach us about spiritual things. Jesus taught in parables. He'd say, the kingdom of God is like... And he'd talk about fishing. He'd talk about farming. This is stuff they just got through doing. 
And so they're very familiar with it. And he said, you understand that? Oh, yeah, yeah, we do it all the time. Well, that's what the spiritual is like. That's what the kingdom is like. And so we already know a lot more about the things of God than we might have realized. It's just a matter of making the connections. And so here, the Spirit of God through Paul tells us how we are to see our Christian life, our place in the body of Christ. He said in chapter 2, verse 1, 2 Timothy 2, 1, he said, Therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. Be strong. What's the opposite of being strong? Being weak. Be strong. And verse 2, And the things that you have heard of me among any witnesses, commit to faithful men that will be able to teach others also. There should be an expanding, shouldn't there? Can you see he was always ministering so that there was a multiplication of ministry. He said now, of course, at one point when he came to their area, there was one of him. And so now he's ministered and now you got Timothy's. And Titus's, right? And others. And what's he telling them? You commit what you got from me to others, faithful people, and they can minister too. We are supposed to multiply, right? Ourself. And of course, that causes great consternation to the devil. Last time he checked, there was a handful of us. We're like rabbits. <laughs> you know, there was a handful of those tongue talkers, Jesus name, you know, faith people. And then next time he looks over there, there's 150 of them. Huh? And then there's uh, 500 of them. And, and then there's 2,000 of them. And then they started another 12 churches. And, and then they got 1,200. And, and then they got 3,000. And bloom, the devil's losing this thing. Do you understand? He's losing this thing. Now, he, he will try to tell you that he's not. If you listen to the wrong people, uh, they'll try to tell you, oh, man, we're losing our youth. We're using our young people. Churches are drying, dying, and doors are closing. That's not true. There are some people that have gone the wrong way. There are some things that have gone down. There are some doors that have been closed. But you are not aware of what's happening globally. And I'm telling you, the devil is losing this thing. Have you read the back of the book? He loses. In fact, he is the eternal loser. He's not just a loser. He's the loser. That's what he'll be known for throughout eternity. He's the greatest loser of all time. <laughs> And I'm sure he didn't want you to hear that today. So I'll say it again. He's the biggest loser of all time. The Lord has already won this thing. And his victory is working out through us in the earth. And people are being born again all over this planet. I mean, it's popping like popcorn. I'm telling you. All over this planet, people are being born again. They're being filled with the Spirit. They're growing up. And then they're affecting other people around about them. That's the way it's supposed to be. And it's happening. He said, be, a, be strong in the grace that's in Christ Jesus. Verse uh, 3. 
Thou therefore endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. Now he's telling him, and of course this is to us, all believers as well, that we are to have a good soldier, not just a soldier, but a good soldier mentality. And in order to be a good soldier, you've got to be strong and you've got to be able to endure some stuff. Should we see ourselves as civilians or as soldiers? Hmm? How many of us? Read the next verse, verse 4. No man that wars, that's a soldier, entangles himself with the affairs of this life that he may please him who's chosen him to be a soldier. Listen to the New American Standard, the NAS. No soldier in active service entangles himself in the affairs of everyday life so that he may please the one who enlisted him as a soldier. How many of us should be in active service? You think so? You think every believer, every, 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 every child of God ought to be in active service? To the Lord. Should every one of us have a soldier mentality? A good soul. We're not civilians sitting on the sideline. We're not set free just so we can live a cushy life. Yes or no? We. <laughs> yeah, I'm setting you up. <laughs> we. No, actually, not me. We are called, delivered, set free so we can be in active duty, active service to the Lord. Somebody say active service. service. Now did you notice we talked about this last time the direct competitor to your service to the Lord is your life. That's the biggest hindrance to you serving the Lord is your and my life. Your life down here. He's, read it again in the NAS. No soldier in active service entangles himself in what? The affairs of everyday life. That's what millions are giving all their time to instead of serving the Lord. And there is a mentality that's been adopted some years back that's prevalent all over this country, many places in the world, and that is that that's okay, that, you know, there's a few people that are called to the ministry, (laughs) and they're supposed to do the work of the ministry, and they're supposed to give their life for the furtherance of the gospel and the work of the ministry. But then the rest of the believers, laity, they believe in God and they try to be a good Christian. But they come to church and sit. And so really they're called to sit and soak. Soak, soak up the word. 
soak up the presence of the Lord, soak up the atmosphere, and then leave and do your everyday life. And do your everyday life, everyday life, everyday life. And if it's convenient, come back to church and sit. (laughs) Sit and soak. Does that sound like active duty? Sitting and soaking? (laughs) Go to Ephesians, please. (laughs) I know it sounds a little humorous, but is that idea prevalent? Huh? Do a lot of people see it that way? Do they practice it that way? Ephesians 4 and 11 in the NIV. We looked at this before, but it by repetition. Ephesians 4, 11. It was he, Jesus, who gave some to be apostles and some to be prophets and some to be evangelists and some to be pastors and teachers. These, we'd call these ministers, teachers, preachers, evangelists, etc. We'd call these ministers. But when you hear minister, what should you think? Service, servant, service. So who's supposed to do the work of the ministry? So many people think, well, the ministers are supposed to do the work of the ministry. But that is contrary to the teaching of the New Testament. That is contrary. Did you hear what I just said now? That mentality that the preachers are supposed to do the work of the ministry, that is contrary to the plain teaching of the New Testament. Keep reading. He gave all these gifts. Why did he give the preachers? The preachers are to prepare God's people for works of service. Ours, the, what does the King James says? The work of the ministry. Who's supposed to do the work of the ministry? Not to preachers. Not to preachers. <laughs> and yet you got millions of folk. Good church going people that go, well, that's what we hired him for. And so you got preachers and a little handful of staff, and they're supposed to do all the work of the ministry. Impossible. Impossible. And then you got 98.97% of the rest of the folks that just come and sit and soak. Listen to me, friends. The flesh seeks to be served. Love seeks to serve. Jesus said, I didn't come to be ministered to. I came to minister and to give my life a ransom for many. That word, that same word translated serve. I didn't come to be served. I came to serve and to give. Now babies expect to be served unconsciously. They will lay in the crib and wail and wake you up at three in the morning and not even apologize for waking you up. They will, will they? They just expect it. You to come make them comfortable. Right? And that's okay when they really are a baby. But 20 years later, 20 years later, they're laying in the bed wailing, ah, come here, I don't feel good. I'm uncomfortable. You are hurting them if you do it. I said you are hurting them, keeping them from developing. 
Listen to me, parents. Do not do your children the injustice of doing everything for them and not requiring anything of them. You will hinder them. You'll stunt their development. You will make them unprepared for life. Because you know they cannot just show up at the job acting like everybody owes them something. Acting like they need an award because they just made it to work on time. No. And you don't feel good about yourself. You have no sense of accomplishment. Laying up, watching TV for 15 hours and playing video games and doing nothing. And you helped nobody. You accomplished nothing. You do not feel of any importance our significance, you have no satisfaction. It makes you an unhappy person, doesn't it? Our young people need to be doing something. Our middle-aged people need to be doing something. Our old people need to be doing something. Everybody needs to be doing something. And how can you tell if it's something you ought to be doing? It's helping somebody. If it's not helping anybody, you need to examine whether it's anything to it or not. Uh, you know, you suppose that you're doing something spiritual because you're building yourself up and you're having uh, spiritual experiences and this and that. Who's it helping? If it's not helping anybody, you're kidding yourself that it's really spiritual, that it's really God. And some of the smallest things can have eternal impact. Just what can that kid do? Could he hand somebody a cup of water? How old you got to be to hand somebody a cup of water? What kind of a training do you have to have? Education. What did Jesus say? If you give somebody a cup of cold water in my name, he said there's no way you'll lose that reward. You will have an eternal reward. It's service. It's spiritual. It's worship. But if you do nothing, you're unfulfilled. You're undeveloped. You don't have a sense of accomplishment. You don't have a sense of identity or worth or value. It's miserable. Whether you're 13 or whether you're 90. You can only play so much golf and fish. Or do what you, not to say you can't play, you can't have some fun. But if that's all you do, you're going to be miserable. Because it's not enough. You're more than that. You're made for more than that. And the only way you're going to really be happy and have any satisfaction and fulfillment is if you're doing something that's useful, that's helping somebody, that's benefiting somebody. And not only that, you'll develop. You can't develop just by learning. Anybody here know how to drive a car? Did you find out, even though you might have read some books on how to drive or watched some videos, you might have thought you knew something about driving until you got behind the wheel. Then when you put her in gear and you took off, you thought, whoa, I can't even see the line. Whoa, that's close to the ditch. Wow. (laughs) The feel, the motion, you didn't get that in the book, did you? You can't learn how to drive just reading a book. And yet, you know, you can go to school. You can get doctorates 
on driving. You can have them call you Dr. Drive. You can teach driving in the university without even knowing how to drive. I'm covering more ground than you may think. But you don't know how to drive. I don't care how many doctorates you've got or how many books you've written on driving. You are not a good driver and you don't drive. And it's not enough to come hear good sermons on how to walk in love or how to pray or how to live by faith or how to give. You've got to get her in the road. Come on, are you listening to me? And get it in gear. You've got to put your hand to it. Don't you? Or you're not going to develop in it. You've got to be a doer of it in order to develop. Only doers develop. And only doers get rewards. This life's passing by quick. Do you know it? Quickly, quickly. And a whole lot of stuff, I know a lot of things are necessary. You've got to do some of it. But a whole lot of stuff, nobody will know about it or care even a year from now or a hundred years from now or a thousand years from now. We need to be doing stuff that affects the kingdom, that affects people's lives positively. And it can be the smallest thing when done in faith and love matters. Do you believe it, friends? He said that the ministers were to prepare God's people for the works of service. The Amplified in Ephesians 4.12 said his intention was the perfecting and full equipping of the saints That they should do the work of ministering toward building up Christ's body, the church. Who's supposed to do the work of the ministry? The people. Believers. The ministers are to help get the people in shape to do it. Now is that the idea and mentality that most churches have? It's not. But we can't control everybody. But we can sure uh, get our thinking in line with the word. Can't we? And uh, I am so pleased. Uh, we, man, we got people all over this place that just serve with excellence. Outstanding. But I want you to know why you're serving. And you're able to do it with a stronger heart. But then also there are those that are not serving yet. And you need to be serving. You, you need to ask yourself your, a question. What is my service to the Lord? To the church? To the people? To the kingdom? What's my service? If you can't answer that definitely... Don't be satisfied to live like that. Uh, Let the Lord show you. And, uh, you know, here at the church, there's opportunities. But, and and we could use you. But you really need to serve more than we need you to serve. For numerous reasons that we've already talked about. If you say, well, that ain't my church. Well, where is your church? Haven't been able to find the right one. You know, they're hypocrites and they're this and that Well, if you were able by some miracle to find the perfect church, what would happen to it when you joined it? (laughs) Go with me over to John, please. John, and let's see, chapter 15. Chapter 15. Now, he had said that we were to be strong. We are to endure hardness like a good soldier. And a soldier in active service, in active duty, does not entangle himself with all the affairs of everyday life. You you hear people talking about uh, coming back out of 
active service and having to adjust to civilian life. Two different lives. Two different lives. Well, you and I ought to not have a civilian mentality. Right? A sit and soak lifestyle. We are to have a good soldier, strong, ready and willing to endure hardship. Now, that may not have been preached as much as it should. Because we see this all through the the New Testament of individuals who were willing to go through things and sacrifice things in order to get the job done for the church. Now we see this with, uh, let me read this and and then I'll, I'll comment on it. John 15 and 12. John 15, 12. Jesus said, this is my commandment. What is the New Testament command? That you love, who? That's your fellow believer. One another. The Bible distinguishes between each other and the world. God so loved the world that he gave Jesus. But this is very specific. This is about me and you loving each other. Our love for each other is supposed to be the identification that God is real and we really are Christians. And it is supposed to be so strong and so obvious how we treat each other and how we take care of each other that people on the outside want to get in. It's no wonder that the devil fights so hard to get us at each other's throat because it absolutely destroys our light and our ministry. If we're chewing up each other, backstabbing each other, hurting each other, then why do they need to join us? They're already in a group like that. (laughs) But when they see you become a part of that bunch, you will never be another day in your life without prayer, without love, without faith, without help. If you need something, we're the body of Christ. If you stump your toe, what happens? Ears, eyes, brain, hands, arms, torso, knees, all go for the toe. (laughs) Don't they? (laughs) They go, alert, alert. Toe needs help. Toe needs help. (laughs) And so your whole body shifts into, let's get over to the chair. We'll get comfortable. Let's get everything away from the toe. Let's get, (laughs) right? Get some ice for the toe. Help out the toe. The whole body is toe-minded. <laughs> Not just the head. Not just the head trying to take care of the toe. Not just the head of the local church trying to take care of the toe. Come on, can you see this? The, the whole body. And of course, the quickest to the scene are those already close to the toe. Right? Quickest to the scene are those in that part grouping of body members. Can you say amen? Amen. He said, my commandments that you love one another as I have loved you. Next verse. Greater love has no man than this. 
that a man lay down his life for his friends. Can you see this soldier mentality so clearly here? I recently went to the funeral of the son of a friend of mine who was killed in active service. And uh, uh, they attacked their group and shot him. Young, young guy. And there are so many of our young men and women that have uh, paid that price. They've laid down their life. And it affects us. If they do it, now there, there are people who are mercenary minded. And they go because they like the excitement and some things beyond that. But there are also people who go because they love God. They love this country. They love their family. Their heart's there. Right? And if they know God and love God and have a heart for honor and service, God calls it worship. That'll take some mind renewal, won't it? In fact, if you read Romans, he talks about those in authority and those in these, uh, whether it's police or military, he calls them ministers. He calls them the ministers of God. What does minister mean? Service. Servants. And it affects us directly. There are some folks that have some goofy notions that if we'd just be nice enough and get rid of all our military and get rid of all our weapons and we could all sign treaties with everybody that we wouldn't need all that. Oh yeah, they'll sign anything you want to sign. And as soon as all your stuff is destroyed, they will move in and invade you. Come on, are you listening to me? Do not think they won't. We need strength. Strength. And we've had it. And we've had uh, men and women willing to go. And endure hardness. You know who wants to get up and get out of bed and get in your Humvee and go down the road knowing these people hate you. Knowing out of any window could come uh, fire. Knowing at any corner could be an explosive device. But they're willing to endure hardness, aren't they? And even willing, if it takes it, lay down your life. We appreciate that, don't we? We ought to pray for them. We ought to believe with them. We ought to thank God for them. But beyond that, we ought to have the same mentality. True or not? We are not to have a cushy, sit, soak, soft, civilian mentality. We are to be good soldiers. And good soldiers are willing to endure discomfort. They are willing to be inconvenienced. They are willing, if need be, to lay down their life to accomplish their mission. Our little ones should be having this put into them right now. And it should be very clear to them by the time they're just a young child. And by the time they're a teenager, it should be ingrained in them. You do what you got to do to accomplish your mission and provide your service in the things of God. Or you can hug and try to save your life and do what you want to do. And Jesus said you do that and you'll lose it. But if you lose your life for my sake and the gospels, you'll find it. Listen to some other verses that talk about this same thing. Acts 15, 26. 
It says Barnabas and Paul risked their lives in the service of our Lord Jesus Christ. Romans 16, 3 and 4. Romans 16, 3 and 4. This is the TEV. It says Priscilla and Aquila, my fellow workers in the service of Christ Jesus, they risked their lives for me. Risked their lives. Now this is not talking about a government's military. This is talking about the kingdom. Did Jesus come on a mission? Was he willing to endure whatever it took? Was he willing to lay down his life to get it done for us? Should you and I have that same mentality? Go to 1 John. It tells us exactly that thing. In 1 John, the uh, third chapter. 1 John 3 and 16. He said, Hereby perceive we the love of God, because he laid down his life for us. Talking about Jesus. We ought to do what? Lay down our lives for the brethren. Now again, it'd be quick and in some ways easier to just try to die for somebody. It's over in an afternoon. But this is the living sacrifice. And me dying for you, you know, I can't pay the price for your sin. That's already been paid. Nobody else can or should try to do that. But I can Lay down my life as far as what I would do or my comfort or my convenience if it helps you. I can have that mentality. And in that way, I can have the the spirit of Christ operating through me. And the law of Christ has to do with laying down yourself for them. That's what he did for us. That's what he told us to do for each other. Can we do it? Can we do it? Would it be a good thing? He said, he laid down his life for us. We ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. Keep reading, verse 17. Whoso had this world's good and sees his brother have need and shuts up his bowels of compassion from him, how dwells the love of God in him? So one way we can lay down our life for our brother, the very specific example he gives in the next verse, is using our goods, our stuff, to relieve somebody. Amen. And if need be, you sacrifice. Right? Need be, you work extra, you sell something, you, right? You have that mentality. Why? We're in a conflict. We're in a war here. Right? We do what we got to do. We sell this, we liquidate that, we work for this, and we take care of this. If you put getting what you want first, it'll be a hollow possession. You might enjoy it a little bit, but uh, you, you don't feel like you're doing anything, like you're making any difference, because you're not. Oh, but friend, when you, you sacrifice and help relieve somebody, to much your brother, to much your sister, you help their dream come true. You help their vision come to pass. You help take pressure off of them. You're sowing seed. It's going to come back to you. And you're putting the kingdom first. People are the kingdom. You're putting the kingdom first. What did the Bible say will happen when you put the kingdom first? All these things that the world's working so hard to get, God will add them to you. They'll come to you, but you didn't put them first. You put the ministry first, service first. Now, when it's added to you, you can enjoy it. 
It's not a priority to you. It's not an idol to you. And you might keep it a week or two and sow it to somebody else. Amen. We must become unattached to money and stuff. It doesn't matter. It's all fading away. It'll all be gone in just a few days. All of it is only tools to express love. Isn't it? It's tools to express love. Keep reading. Verse 18, my little children, let us not love in word, neither in tongue, not just talk, not just saying, I love you. It's good to tell people you love them, but it's, that is not the greatest expression of love. The greatest expression of love is giving. John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he yelled from heaven, I love you. Uh-uh. For God so loved the world that he said, I just have such feelings. For Oh, wow. Oh, God so loved the world that he gave. gave. And he's talking about giving here, isn't he? Yes. Giving? Yes. Definitely. Pointedly. And he says, don't just love in what you say. Love in what you do. Can you see that your service is the keeping of the love command. When he said love one another. Like I have loved you. How did he love us? He was willing to endure. He was willing to sacrifice. He was willing to lay his life down. So we could be relieved. And released. And free. And healed. Come on are you listening? Aren't you thankful for the word supply? That we can sow and even folk have sacrificed so that other people can get the word at no charge and find out that they've been healed, that they've been set free. And there are many things like this that the Lord would bring us into. Amen. Do you believe it? Yes. Many things. But we must not have a church full of sitters and soakers, but a church full. Come on, are you listening? Spit, shine, boots. Buttons in place. People ready to serve. Men and women of honor. Full of love. They will go as far as it takes. They'll get up early. They'll stay up late. They will spend and be spent. Why? Not to just try to be righteous and try to think they'll be something in themselves. Because they love God and they love people. And because he did all this for me, it's just reasonable. That I serve him. God calls it worship. All these folks working and giving. and Sacrificing and doing. It's a sweet aroma to him. It's worship. And some of the folk. People hollering I worship you. I worship you. But they won't get out of bed. Won't go across the street to do anything. That's no worship. It's empty. Hollow. Go with me to John please. The 13th chapter. We'll close with this, I think. You believe we're making progress in these things? I do too. What is your service to the Lord? You need to be able to answer that question quickly and definitely. And if you can't answer that, don't be satisfied until you're able to answer it. Seek the Lord. Let Him show you where your opportunities are, what you can do. And don't Think that things are beneath you. Be willing to do whatever. How many think if you're in heaven and the Golden Street 
was dusty, which I don't think it would be. But the Lord hands you a broom and say, would you sweep that off for me? Are you going to look at him and go, Lord, that's not my ministry. Uh Uh-uh. So why would you do it down here? No, it's like the psalmist said, I'd rather be a doorkeeper in the house of the Lord than dwell in the tents, the finest of the fine. Live, you know, the top office on the top floor. Why? Because all these things are passing away. They'll soon be gone. But whatever you do in the kingdom lasts forever. You see such a clear example of what we're looking at today with Peter. In John 13, Jesus is telling them and he's about to go. And it bothered them. And Peter said to him, verse 37, John 13, 37, he said, Lord, why cannot I follow you now? I will lay down my life for your sake. Do you think he believed that he would? I do. I think he he really meant what he said. And yet, it didn't turn out that way, did it? I will lay down my life for your sake. A lot easier to say than to do. And uh, Jesus said, verse 38, will you lay down your life for my sake? And I'm sure Peter's going, yeah, yeah, yes, I will. He said, verily I say to you, the cock shall not crow till you have denied me thrice. A little later on, when they took Jesus and all the disciples were confused, they could not believe this is happening. They can't believe he's letting them take him. They're just, they're just baffled. And he stood out there in fear and denied that he even knew him three times. So he didn't lay down his life. He wasn't willing to endure. What if they had taken him? What if they had crucified him right beside the Lord? Then he'd have been in glory all this time since then. We must not be so attached to this little present life. You're going to soon be out of here. One way or the other. The best way. Is to go serving him. Right? I mean giving it your all. But. After. Peter repented. He went out and cried and wept. Don't you know he felt terrible? He was going to lay down his life for the Lord. And he wouldn't even stand up. And take some scrutiny. And criticism. Well, we can't throw any stones, can we? It's easy to talk, isn't it? But then later, when when they're out fishing and Jesus was on the shore, you remember, 21st chapter, if you'll turn over there, John 21. John said, it's the Lord. Peter jumped in, swam. He wants to be the first to get there. He, He feels like he needs to make up some things. And it's no coincidence that the Lord takes him aside and three times (laughs) asks him, Peter, do you love me? Because what did he try to tell the Lord before all this went down? I love you. I love you more than my life itself. I will die for you. I will lay down my life for you. He said, Peter, do you love me? He said, yes, Lord, I I love you. What did he say? Feed my, first he said lambs. Of course, in the beginning days of the church, that's that's all you had was lambs. 
Then a little later on they're going to grow up and be sheep. Asked him again, do you love me? Then what? Service. It's easy to say, Lord, I'd die for you. And he'll say, wave a flashlight for me. Lord, I'd, I'd lay down my life for you. How about changing some diapers? Well, that's, I'm, I'm real busy right now. And, you know, as soon as we get the kids through school and as soon as we uh, do this and we do that, the kids ought to be serving too. Are you with me, friends? Well, I'd die for you. Is it really true that we'd die for him if we wouldn't do some of these little things? Where's our commitment level? Our young soldiers are willing to leave home and go to the furthest ends of the world and go into the hottest zones, be shot at, die. Jesus died for us. We ought to be willing. Come on, saints, are you with We ought to be willing to get up early, stay up late, do what it needs to be done to get this job done. And every job counts. Do you love me? I'm sure Peter was, I'm sure he's thinking, how can I get back in? How can I overcome what I have done? How can I why do you think the Lord asked him, do you love me? Because what has he been thinking about ever since that situation? How can I ever convince the Lord after what I've done that I love him? He said, Peter, do you love me? I'm sure that, that went straight through him. He said, yes, Lord. What did he say? Feed my lambs. Feed my sheep. Then he's taking it personally. Proof that you love him. By doing something for his people. Come on can you see this friends. Do you love me? Then do this. Then do that. This is happening all over the body of Christ. The Lord is saying come. Do this. Come be involved. Come help this one. Come be a part of this. Come help make sure this is taken care of. Come do this. And because it's not prophesying and quoting scriptures, people think it's not spiritual. How wrong they are. I said how wrong they are. Jesus is the one who brought it up. Offering somebody a cup of water. He said, no way you will lose your There's an eternal reward if you do it for the Lord. Stand up everybody. Oh, thank you, Master. This ministry has been brought to you today free of charge by the partners of More Life Ministries and Faith Life Church. If you would like to help send this word to others at no charge, you can become a word sender today. For more information, visit our website at morelife.org.